Welcome to the ALN podcast series. Today's episode is brought to you by the Andrew James Advisory Group. AJAG provides training in the ISO 55000 standard, and our world-class training qualifies students to take the ALN A55K certification exam, an industry recognition of an individual's knowledge of the standard. Certified individuals add value to any organization's asset management initiatives. Realizing your ISO 55000 vision need not be painful. Visit us at www.andrewjamesadvisory.com to see how we can help. Now, enjoy the podcast. Okay. Hello and welcome. Thank you all for being here today, January 27th, 2022. I'm excited for our conversation later with Moshe Nelson, Principal Public Sector at Grant Thornton. Uh, but before we get underway, I just want to thank our patron members, Definitive Logic, Onuma System, ABS Quality Evaluations, and ABS Group. Uh, we also want to thank our organizational members, uh, of which Grant Thornton is one. And as you can see, it's a growing list. So if you're interested in getting involved in ALN activities at the organizational member level, please reach out and we will talk more about how you can get involved. Um, and with that, I will just say, if you're out there watching, we would love to hear from you. So please send any comments, questions, or feedback to the chat, uh, and we will get that in front of our esteemed panelist, Motion Nelson. Um, Mike, I'm seeing you're freezing up a little bit, so maybe I will... Okay, well, I'm going to carry on then. Uh, thanks for being yes, with, with us, Moshe. Yeah, thanks, Nick, for the invite. It's it's always great to uh, speak with you all, and I know just participate in these ALN at three events. There, it's a it's always a fun discussion. Yeah, and you know, nice. You mentioned that it's something you look forward to in your day, and I can imagine kind of an informal discussion where you can't expect to be, uh, you know, put to too many hard questions. Uh, could be something to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, especially if Mike's uh, internet's freezing up, and I know that <laughs> all the tough balls maybe may uh, put in the chat. Uh, well, he uh, might have to get that fixed so he can come in in overtime and really grill you. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, until then, do you want to start us off today with maybe law enforcement asset management? And you mentioned some trends that you could discuss or some recent results uh, in the industry or from Grant Thornton's work? Sure, sure. Yeah, I'll, happy to do that, Nick. Uh, so just to set the context, a couple of years ago, uh, as, as many of you all probably know, we set upon developing uh, with ALN and all of its members, a national asset leadership strategy, um, you know, across the US. And it was a bold goal. And it was essentially with trying to bring and define, you know, all of the industries that would be associated uh, with asset management and take the construct that's identified in ISO 55000 and apply that within um, all of the constraints and environments that we experience in the U.S. And it was a, a, a great effort. We produced the first NALS document. Uh, and what we noticed from that NALS is, you know, there's a lot to be included, right? There are a lot of different uh, sectors that roll up to, uh, you know, asset management, whether that's water, whether it's healthcare, you know, various different types of transportation, infrastructure. And in order to make this, you know, an effective 
uh, initiative and, and really uh, impact you know, the United States in a positive way. Uh, in our second implementation of the NALs, we essentially drove down to what our sector asset leadership strategies. And that focuses the effort on applying the principles within ISO 55000 asset management that looks at asset management as a system and how is it used to drive value, right? How is it used to improve the livelihood of citizens, the infrastructure of the United States, um, and, and define it within those sectors. So we, we um, broke out subgroups and I was involved in two of the subgroups, one more so than the other, the law enforcement uh, asset management subgroups and working group, and then a healthcare uh, asset subgroup where my colleague uh, Ed Safty and several others uh, led the development of. So as a product of these two efforts, months long and representatives from across government, industry, um, as well as nonprofit, we were able to produce actual results that identify you know, what are the trends and the pain points that we're experiencing today. And you know, lo and behold, healthcare and law enforcement, you know, the past year and a half has been um, has has been a critical area, and I'll, I'll get to Boyd's uh, question in a second. Has been a, you know a, a critical area of emphasis, um, you know, with the pandemic. Uh, you know, I don't need to dive into why healthcare might be important, and then you know, within the social changes and and um, you know, real, uh, realization of uh, injustices for large parts of our community and society, uh, you know, law enforcement was uh, put front and center, right? So I, I think it was a sort of an exceptional time to be <laughs> taking on those two areas in particular. I don't know how I drew that straw, uh, just kidding. Um, but taking on those areas and saying, how can we utilize uh, the principles of ISO 55000 and asset management in order to um, advance and improve how assets are, are measured across these different industries, public sector, nonprofit, um, and commercial as well. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit about uh, the law enforcement asset management um, saddles. And I think Boyd put a, a question in the chat that I just saw pop up. So I'll, I'll address that now. How, how, how has anyone uh, adopted the taxonomy that has that we've uh, proposed within the NALS, I think um, was the, the, the reference. And then in the subsequent information that was found in the SALS. Well, interestingly enough, I, the, some of the stakeholders that were involved in the NALS development, um, even within the law enforcement community had later moved into uh, positions of leadership and decision-making um, that I think the input that was gathered through, you know, NALS development um, and best practice sharing was, uh, may have been integrated into their, you know, own decision-making uh, for, you know, for operations, for operationalizing this work. And when we approached the law enforcement asset management working group, it certainly was a factor of standardization of data, of assets, of collaboration across various stakeholders, Department of Justice, Homeland Security components within uh, those environments. So I, you definitely uh, can find an impact um, from, you know, from that body of work. Uh, and you know, our, our support is at such a strategic level when we talk about annals that that's the intent, right? The intent to put out these ideas and, and create essentially a baseline uh, of information to reference. 
Um, so, you know, diving into the, the law enforcement um, saddles, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just hit upon a few different areas that, that came up um, as we finalize the report. I think, you know, standardization of information and collaboration among components definitely ra uh, rose up, you know, as items that were uh, included in the cells. And a part of that is the data and the structure and the management and the systems that are used to manage that information, um, you know, uh, across different components. What's apparent is that there is no unifying uh, you know, IT system, if you will, that all components utilize for all of their assets, right? It's, it's a reality that both state and local as well as federal, um, you know, asset leaders face. There are multiple systems, multiple uh, information sources that are needed to manage assets. And whether that asset be uh, facilities or that asset be fleet or property, or if we want to get into digital assets, uh, we can have a separate segment there. Um, you know, there are significant, there's significant variability. So understanding that, accepting that, and then putting uh, strategies in place to, you know, bring together information, to standardize data sets, to increase collaboration, ultimately is, you know, a goal that was set out. Um, so let me let me just catch my breath there because uh, I don't want <laughs> don't want this to go off on too much of a tangent. Nick, does that raise any questions from the audience or yourself? Absolutely, and I just wanted to first start by saying thank you for that kind of overview. Um, so great to hear you lay that all out. Um, as my understanding of asset management has come through the Asset Leadership Network, it makes perfect sense that we need a national asset leadership strategy that does span all sectors to because you know to to maximize to optimize value for the nation we need to do as much collaborate uh, collaboration standardization like you said um, across many different once siloed or often siloed activities and fields um, but it also makes perfect sense that so many people come to asset management in sector specific or even more specific ways so it it makes perfect sense for the implementation to have an awareness that you need a specific strategy for sectors and to you know continue to compartmentalize down as far as people want to go in order for the information and the the knowledge to be applied most um, best bestly <laughs> um, but but to have that overarching uh, strategic level national set of objectives goals standards um, taxonomy as Boyd was mentioning. Um, so great points all there. And then um, I guess I was hoping you might talk a little more. Did you talk about trends in the law enforcement sector specifically? Sure. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll jump to jump into some trends uh, and I can continue that stream of consciousness, uh, you know, <laughs> overall from law enforcement. But, you know, let's talk about some trends. I mean, I think um, you know, there's significant integration of technology um, and appetite for integration of technology into the law enforcement arena, right? Greater accountability um, is demanded by the, the, you know, the general public and as well as supported by, you know, congressional uh, leaders. And that works uh, from both, you know, top down and bottom up um, reasons, right? From the bottom up perspective, it enables uh, the law enforcement community to be able to articulate, hey, what's happening on the ground 
when they are conducting operations, um, you know, really serving uh, the general public, right? It, there's, there's essentially a new mechanism, a new medium to communicate information, um, which is fantastic. And then from a governance perspective, it also gives a level of accountability and reassurance that, you know, uh, the services um, that are rendered by the, the law enforcement community um, can have a level of accountability, right? So I think that we're at a very unique time in which you're finding, you know, legislators and politicians supporting investment in technology in the law enforcement arena, which, you know, if you work in this business long enough, those opportunities do not come up very often. I mean, infrastructure bill aside, we'll get into that. But for the law enforcement community, it's a, it's a very strained um, community overall, right? They're often um, facing budget cuts, reductions, um, and are especially hard hit during times of recession or economic volatility, right? Um, because in, in most cases, they're not revenue generating organizations. So um, I juxtapose that by increased demand of services during times of challenge, right? I mean, that's, that's just a, a reality that has to be faced. So I think with these trends that we're seeing, um, appetite for integration of technology, as well as um, you know support, you know in broad areas of the spectrum, there there creates um, more, you know, I would say more investment and, and more appetite for um, adoption of asset management principles. Now, I you know I was having a conversation with someone uh, just today, and you know we were you know talking about this environment and that you know law enforcement you know is often the often seen as agents and officers in the field, right? Of police officers that are conducting operations. Well, a significant aspect of law enforcement are the backbone of law enforcement, the mission support uh, folks, the asset managers who have to ensure that, you know, individuals can have the equipment they need to conduct their jobs. And I think what we have uh, seen during the pandemic is a, a realization of the importance of that you know, back office function to enabling the operators. Now, uh, personal protective equipment wa was essentially, uh, you know, a, a, a driving factor of that trust building, right? Because literally the lives of um, these individuals were, you know, put in the hands of people to get proper equipment, proper PPE to conduct operations, particularly before you had a vaccine available, you know, in many cases. So, that respirator was uh, a lifesaver for many uh, thousands of individuals uh, across the nation. The asset managers were those in charge of procuring, supplying, managing, distributing that information, and enabling uh, you know the community to be able to you know conduct their services in a safe and secure fashion. And many did lose their lives, um, you know, caught up in that in, in that mix. Um, so. I'll pause there. Hey, great. And it, it's just amazing how good an example law enforcement is of kind of both ends of the spectrum, the very high level strategic theoretical side of things, supporting down to the people on the ground who are risking their lives and saving lives. And just how important it is to have things like supply chain taken into account um, at, at the high level to support the people again on the ground. 
Um, and I'm, I'm just amazed by how, how good your, your description is at, at highlighting the need for an over, overruling, overlying uh, idea like ISO 55000 or a NALS or a sector asset leadership strategy to increasing the, the performance and the work environment and the value that both the stakeholders, um, you know, the community members are getting from a service or, you know, thing like law enforcement, and also increasing the value that an organization is seeing by having that assurance saying, look, we're, we're covering our bases, you know, our risk management is based on this kind of large idea that's internationally recognized that, you know, is created by experts who are seeing the big picture and have lots of experience in this. I'm just amazed by uh, how powerful and uh, hopeful this all seems. Um, like well, you know, it's, it's me. I think my, my glass is always, you know, half full. <laughs> well, great. That's a great way. And are you um, seeing these questions from Jim Dieter? Do you want to say? Yes. Yeah. So let me, uh, I see them now. Um, so let me handle the first one and I'll read it out loud for everyone. Are you seeing an increase in asset management opportunities from federal agencies and beyond? You know, I, I think that there's probably a lull, Jim, from what we're seeing um, because of the infrastructure bill and what everyone's expecting, you know, coming down the pike. I, I, I don't think that there's been a, significant increase uh, per se at, at the moment because everyone's sort of gearing up for you know massive change. There have been um, you know great efforts that we have seen GSA um, you know undertaking for electrification of the vehicle fleet and actually moving forward on these concepts. We know that we've been talking and hearing about it for the past 20 years uh, in earnest, right? So there 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 are people that are making efforts towards uh, actual uh, modernization, but I do think that you know once um, DOT, Department of Transportation, Department of Energy, EPA um, have all the plans up, the execution in line uh, with the infrastructure bill passing, that we will see a significant increase um, in the level of work needed to support that. And I think Brookings put out. Uh, a great piece of work back in November after the infrastructure bill was uh, passed that outlines you know, some of the areas uh, to consider because there's a lot of rulemaking that, that's gonna go on, um, a, lot of, a lot of things in the background and policy changes that have to occur in order to actually get to the point in which you can procure and implement. So there's a few steps that we're gonna see a little bit of a lag. And the second question I see is, have you had the opportunity to help customers integrate multiple asset management silos like personal property facilities, IT asset management, as well as fleet. Uh, you know, I think that this is a, an area that um, continues to be important um, from you know, uh, an overarching federal government standpoint. The way assets are managed today, because driven largely by the reporting requirements that are put out, um, you know, in, uh, interoperability between you know, these different um, asset categories um, continues to need improvement, right? You, so, you still have stovepipe organizations. However, the caveat to that is that because of, you know, larger efforts around data standardization and management, the visibility of duplication, the visibility of opportunities for improvement um, has increased. And I'll also juxtapose as a result of the pandemic and the realization 
that we are not going back to the same uh, level of work that we had or, or working operations. Um, there are significant efforts trying to essentially re-engineer um, how work looks today, real return to work. So all of the, the structure of the facilities, the layout, the property that's aligned to it, the IT infrastructure um, are being re-examined in that light. So it's a bit of a forcing factor um, when it comes to you know, getting integration of various elements of asset management together. Are we where we need to be today? Absolutely not, right? Are we, are we headed in the right direction? Yes, I, I, I definitely think we're not going backwards. Um, and it, a lot of that has to do with the understanding that it's a new paradigm, right? Um, as I call in from my home office as a, as a great example. Uh, excellent. And I just want to reiterate something you said earlier that, you know, what we're talking about with the NALs or SALs or asset management in general is not a, a software. It's not a, you know, specific data system that, you know, you can just uh, download and apply. It is, it is go, goes way beyond that and uh, requires the integration of probably multiple, you know, software systems to, to support in a, in a modern way. Um, and I just I, I wanted to point that out again because uh, it it seems important to mention for for some folks who who are looking for kind of an all in one solution and uh, you know maybe we could reference ISO fifty five thousand but um, yeah Nick I mean that that's a that's a great point I know that it's a mantra that we've we've talked about for some time we're not talking about a system as in an IT system we're talking about a system as in a system of management um, you know and. There's a significant piece, and this is in ISO 55000, of communication, of change management, and being able to articulate that value of what proper asset management does for the community, right? Uh, whether it's a cost savings value, whether it's actually uh, being able to address water shortages, um, allocation of resources, helping people from a healthcare perspective. I mean, I, I think what is a great opportunity for continued growth is being able to articulate that message, right? And we as a community need to be able to do that effectively, right? If you do proper asset management, then you will get X, Y, and Z. Well, you'll get better, you know, better transportation networks, better healthcare, better services overall at a lower cost because um, it's that important. So it's that communication of the value is uh, quite frankly a campaign that we all have to work through well awesome thanks for uh shouting that from the bullhorn here for everyone listening That's today right. um right. we have some limited time so would you talk turn towards the infrastructure bill and then maybe use that to segue into our upcoming roundtable on asset leadership and asset management influencing infrastructure spending yeah, yeah, that, no, that thanks for, for pointing that out. So, um, you know, like modern times, uh, nothing can surprise us anymore, uh, whether that's uh, changes, pandemics, or, or changes in, um, you know, military postures uh, overseas and, and uh, different actors around the world. I think that, you know, the infrastructure bill passing the significant amount of change that that will have on our country and 
you know, making it through the gates to, to realization is a once in a lifetime event, right? And I can't, you know, undersell how important that is for everyone to take a step back and realize, you know, the impact that that will have on our nation. Now, it's not just about uh, improving or maintaining what has been established today. I think there are significant um, goals that were set out as part of the infrastructure bill and money put behind it that will, you know, improve everything from, you know, water to IT infrastructure, uh, you know, roads and bridges, um, electrification, uh, passenger rail, right? These are all elements of the infrastructure bill that holistically look at uh, the assets in our nation and say, how do we modernize, right? How do we become more effective? Uh, we, we, we were coming in at a tipping point, we're at a tipping point where infrastructure is, is beginning to fail. And I know um, Governor O'Malley had talked about, you know, in previous years, what happens when that occurs? And that being, uh, you know, a, uh, a, a terrible tragedy. Um, you know, for families, uh, for hundreds of people, um, and, and we're seeing it right before our eyes, right? Surfside in Miami and the, the uh, horrible tragedy that occurred in my hometown and in, in my community um, was, was a you know, stark realization for many that something needs to be done. Now, the infrastructure bill is, you know, focused on, on these public infrastructure networks, um, but you know, there's a, a realization that we need to uh, improve, you know, what, what we have today. Now, there's significant uh, change that needs to occur as a result of the infrastructure bill. And there's time that it will take to essentially put those um, levers in motion, right? And some of those levers can be executed a little more effectively, right? Where fund funding is being uh, targeted to you know, agencies that already have programs in place where you're bolstering those programs and, and, and enhancing them to get more resources, um, you know, into the, in, into the general public or into areas that were needed or underfunded. And in other cases, you know, there, like I mentioned before, will need to be, you know, new rules written, no, new programs set up, new policies written, and then state and local governments will have to take that information, they are today, right? And figuring out how do I execute on this, right? So it's it's a monumental effort that will take thousands upon thousands of people to execute effectively. Uh, and this community here of uh, people within you know, asset management who essentially are able to do that, right? They're able to to integrate. Um, and I I assure you, everyone on this call or everyone that's that within ALN or what might watch the recording has a point of integration that will be affected by the, the, the infrastructure bill. Um, so you know, those are some you know, high level thoughts on what we can expect and what needs to be done uh, in, in the near future. Awesome. Well, thanks for those high level thoughts. And uh, I guess my follow-up would be to just kind of, you said you often see things as a glass half full and I also like to uh, to hear hopeful ideas and inspire hope in listeners. Um, would you? What would you say? Uh, you hope that asset management, asset leadership has to 
to teach uh, and to to help uh, influence as far as spending allocations of a of an infrastructure bill. Uh, what sort of outcomes do you think we can influence, and and how can we influence those outcomes? Yeah, I, I think one of the important things uh, that that we can do as a community is you know leverage our knowledge of the system in and of itself. Right, if you're part of this call, you realize that asset management is a system of interrelated. Uh, categories, interrelated variables, right, that combined can make asset management effective, right? We're, we're able to leverage that knowledge of, let's just take electrification uh, of vehicles, for example, right? We're able to leverage our knowledge, um, you know, of facilities, of energy infrastructure to determine end-to-end -end what would need to occur in order to electrify uh, a, a vehicle fleet, as an example, right? We know that there's gonna take significant changes to the, to the facilities housing those vehicles, to the power grid, to the output, um, you know, the investment and changes that will be needed in space. Um, what are we gonna do with, you know, uh, unused assets from a uh, dispositions perspective, the retrofitting perspective, so um, not many people are walking into this with uh, essentially the ability to, to play on the field, right? We know the field, we know the rules of the game and can essentially execute effectively. Um, and I think that, you know, with some of the goals that were set out in the infrastructure bill to help uh, communities that have been underserved, right? To redraw the maps of cities, to change transportation that has adversely impacted on uh, communities within this, within the United States, um, you know, is, is a goal that we can help achieve. And since we know how to operate within this arena, um, we, we could essentially be enablers of it. Um, you know, so I'll, I'll, I'll sort of pause there. And I get to take Nick's job and say, Oh, thank you. And we're approaching the, the half hour, but, uh, for, thank you, Moshe, for uh, your time and uh, explanation. You did uh, some very uh, clear, concise uh, descriptions. And Nick, thanks for stepping in. My uh, internet went wonky, and then after minute five, everything seemed fine. I don't know what the problem was, but you did a great job. Uh, yeah. Nick, if you could, uh, what? I had a feeling you had almost engineered this to uh, push me into the interviewer role. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was that clever, but uh, um, if you could uh, do the sponsors and uh, Moshe, sure. I hope you can stick around for uh, a little bit. Sure. Yeah, just wanted to thank again our patron members and sponsors, as well as our organizational members and sponsors, because uh, we couldn't do programs like this without uh, Grant Thornton and uh, other organizational members that help make this possible, uh, including our newsletter and the upcoming roundtable. So thank you for all the organizations and all the people behind those organizations that make uh, what we do at the ALN possible. And speaking of the roundtable, Moshe, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was uh, you selected Michael Demures to represent Grant Thornton in the roundtable on Monday which is how asset leadership can help us with the infrastructure spending. And I wanted you to uh, talk about uh, why you decided to have uh, Michael Demers speak. Yeah, you know, that, that's a great question, Mike. Well, uh, we're really, we're very excited about the, the roundtable discussion. 
on Monday, I think um, you know you put together a fantastic and diverse group of stakeholders from GAO uh, to Army Corps uh, of Engineers, state and local representatives on the public side. Um, and you know, I thought from uh, a Grant Thornton perspective, uh, Michael is a, a you know a, a senior uh, director within our practice with immense experience on the on the state and local environment within asset management. Uh, very knowledgeable of you know the infrastructure bills so a great balance the representation providing those points of view of, of how um, you know state and local leaders uh, as well as federal leaders can uh, you know take the infrastructure bill and make it make it happen right make it effective and um, ensure that it's successfully uh, implemented so that was the rationale behind uh, you know having Michael join the panel. I, I really look forward to it. I know that his insight is deep and great. Yeah. Yes, I had the privilege of having a short conversation with him. And in a few minutes, he really expanded my understanding of legislation, how much is already uh, there for asset management and the way that state and local government has to interact with federal government for the federal uh, infrastructure spending. So, uh, Hopefully that will be the beginning of us trying to uh, put forward our ideas about asset leadership in the rules and policy creation that you talked about that's going to be necessary. And then we're going to be following that up with a, a summit in March, um, uh, the middle of March, and further the discussion on uh, making sure that the systematic approach to asset management that Nick was uh, talking about earlier is applied to the, this infrastructure spending. And uh, then the other thing that I wanted to, uh, to ask you more about is the electrification of vehicles impact on federal law enforcement. I uh, went to a federal event in 2008 on microgrids and uh, somebody talked about the difference between effectiveness and efficient. And he was saying electric vehicles might be very effective, but if you're being chased by the enemy and the battery runs out, it's not very effective. So you got to have effective and efficient balance. And how do you think that'll play in uh, law enforcement or, or do you think it will? Yeah, well, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of smart people are addressing this, this, um, this topic today, right? I, the reality is there's a lot of support functions around law enforcement that, um, you know, are not pursuit vehicles, right? So there are opportunities to uh, electrify various aspects of the law enforcement fleet that, um, you know, should not have as great an impact on mission as, you know, say a, uh, a patrol car, as an example. Uh, but there, there are, you know, considerations being made for you know, hybrid vehicles, um, even within the, you know, the, the uh, pursuit sort of uh, classification. So it's not, there, it's not a, a clear answer. Um, there are opportunities that I think is, is the short answer and, you know, headway that can be made um, you know, for the overall electrification of the fleet. It's just not going to happen quickly. There's also the infrastructure that needs to come around that, right? Uh, as, as I was mentioning before, there's a facilities impact. There's, there's an electric grid impact. There's a lot of other factors that, that need to be in play. And people are thinking through, 
right? And taking action on, which is uh, further than I've, I've seen in the past 20 years. So that's, that's very encouraging. Yeah. Excellent. And since this is a, a, a group event, uh, I'd like to ask Jim Dieter to come on. He's been uh, around and uh, he might have some questions about things that uh, Nick and I haven't brought up. I've been around. That's a, that's a story. <laughs> been hey, around Jim. a while. Hey, Mosh. Great to see you, sir. Good to see you, too. Hey, uh, I was I had a chance to read an RFP from a, a federal agency. I guess I won't name it. Uh, recently, it was uh, for asset management. And it was due a couple of weeks ago in January. But it was notable in that it was strictly facilities. And it was very maintenance oriented. Yeah. You know, yet they talked about uh, ISO 55,000. And I'm like, it looks like they're talking about an asset management plan. And they don't understand the difference between that and strategic asset management plan. So, how's he going to turn that into a question? So, the, uh, <laughs> you know, do you, when you're working with your, you know, clients that you work with, and you're telling them about it. Do you have any words you can share on how you convey, you know, that kind of a difference and what uh, a strategic asset management plan uh, can do for the organization? Sure. Well, yeah, I think that um, the first part is educating uh, clients on ISO 55,000 what that truly means. Uh, you know, from the facilities perspective, particularly in the federal government, you know, most of the acquisitions are around architectural engineering services, right? Because there's so much need um, for you know maintenance, improvement, operations of these facilities, and it continues to be you know on GAO's high priority list. Um, more so now, as a result of you know, this changing paradigm that we uh, mentioned before, with return to work. So how are we taking these facilities and structurally redesigning them to account for you know a, a remote or partially remote community? So, you know, I, I think that the, the first part is getting in and, and articulating the value of a strategic asset management plan and what that can essentially do uh, to improve overall portfolio management. Uh, and then secondly, bifurcating what would be, you know, much, the more architectural engineering requirements um, to be focused on essentially just that. And I think there is you know, significant value if you do bifurcate the two because you have one with governance and planning and then one specific to essentially the tactical execution, which is a separate body of work, right? It's a separate level of effort, it's a separate skill set. Um, so that would be my recommendation on if you're you know, speaking with clients ahead of time, you know, before, before these things come out and say, hey, I think that this is a wise way of approaching it because it's going to give you the strategy on one hand and then with the governance to oversee um, ultimately the execution on the other right which is more on the a &E side so i came up with an analogy this week that i like let me try it out yeah go for it amps you know asset management plans are the arrows sure this, uh, this SAMP with a strategic asset management plan is the bow, and asset leadership is the archer. I think that works. I think that works. 
someone can get creative and turn that into you know a jiffer or something <laughs> yeah there could be a real good graphic with that yeah. uh most i had the same reaction when i first sound uh, heard that i was like oh that works yep yeah at first i was thinking of a gun analogy and i thought that just isn't right no <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you, Moshe, for taking an onslaught of questions from all of us. Uh, you handled us all deftly and with the plum. So uh, no different than usual. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Nick for, for filling in. Jim, thanks for jumping in. And thanks to uh, all of the people who've been uh, listening. We appreciate you attending. Uh, please. Uh, Sign up for the roundtable uh, event on uh, Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern. We're trying our first Monday program, I think. I don't think we've had a Monday program before. See how that goes. And then if you are an A55K uh, professional, please sign up for the A55K uh, quarterly program on Tuesday that we're starting. So thanks again. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for calling in. We hope you enjoyed our podcast, and we would like to thank the Andrew James Advisory Group for their sponsorship. For more information about AJAG and their services, please visit www.andrewjamesadvisory.com or email info at andrewjamesadvisory.com.